The reading from the Bible is John chapter 12, verses 44 to 50. If you've got the church Bible, it should be on page 1084. So John chapter 12, verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Well, good morning and um, thanks for having me. Let me add my welcome to Simon's um, to you this morning at Grace Church Dulwich. As he said, it's, it's been nice to be with you these last three weeks. Some people are, I know, some of you, I don't know all of you, so um, it's been very nice to have met some new people these last three weeks. Please do say hello to um, my wife and children and I if you don't, if you don't know us um, and you'd like to. Um, we're thinking this morning in our thirds of the talks in John 12 um, of the question... How unique is your Jesus? And pretty um, uncontroversial that Jesus changed the world, had a positive impact on society throughout the centuries. I guess most people you know would probably say that Jesus' contribution to the world was kind of more good than bad. Now, maybe he's irrelevant now, they would say. Um, but on the whole, he had probably quite a good influence um, on things in the world. And of course, if you're a Christian, you'd go much further than that. And wouldn't you? Jesus is everything. He's the Son of God. Uh, he's the supreme revelation of the Father, the Saviour of the world, all the songs we've been singing this morning already. And um, maybe if you've been reading through John's Gospel from the beginning and, and just got to this point, um, you might have even come to that conclusion yourself. Uh, many of the um, disagreements, the arguments in John, they kind of converge on this question. How unique is Jesus really? Um, it might be convinced that you have, uh, you might be convinced that Jesus has a lot to offer you and that kind of he challenges you in, in all kinds of ways to, to live differently, to live your life better. Um, you might even be convinced that he's trustworthy and the things that he did in his life and said are astonishing. But how convinced are you that there are no alternatives to him? Uh, which turns up the heat a bit, doesn't it? I, I sometimes listen to Thought for the Day on Radio 4. Um, prides itself on diversity, doesn't it? You have Christians, uh, Muslims, Sikhs, secularists, and um, all these different perspectives on how to kind of orient yourself at seven in the morning. Um, all their different contributions. But how unique is Jesus really? Uh, is he just one voice among many? Very key question for John. And it's a crucial question for us as well, and how we understand God, how we understand ourselves. 
Um, the verses we're looking at this morning, um, they're not narrative like we saw two weeks ago. And they're not um, commentary like we saw last week. The, the genre has changed again. And this week we have speech. Uh, the verses we're looking at, they're, they're all um, words that Jesus speaks about himself, really, aren't they? And there are only seven verses. And there, yet there are 19 times that Jesus says the words I or me or a verb in the first person. And it's one thing to believe that Jesus is important. But it is another thing altogether to believe that he is utterly unrivaled, unique. Um, we're going to jump around a little bit. You might, you'll notice on your handouts there'll be some um, points to help you follow along. Um, first point on your handout there, Jesus uniquely reveals the Father. Let me read again from verse 44. Uh, Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. In um, many ways, I think you could probably say it's a bit of a summary of the gospel so far. Um, everyone who encountered Jesus had their lives turned upside down one way or another. And um, think of Nicodemus in, in chapter 3, Pharisee of Pharisees, expert in religion, thought that he knew everything until he met Jesus. Or the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, an outsider, divorcee of five husbands, um, no hope of a life in the presence of God until she met Jesus. A man who had not walked for 38 years, holding on to empty promises of a magic swimming pool that did nothing, helpless, until he met Jesus. A Lazarus in chapter 11, he wasn't even alive, was he? And his body was rotting in a tomb until he heard the words of Jesus. And each of these people as they encountered Jesus, and John wants us to be clear, Jesus wants us to be clear that they were encountering none other than God himself. Um, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me, who see, sees him who sent me. And the Samaritan woman believed, the blind man saw, Lazarus heard, and now Jesus, he turns to address anyone, everyone, anyone who hears, anyone who sees, anyone who believes. And the central claim of this book is, is as you encounter Jesus, you are encountering God himself. It is a staggering claim, and it's a claim of total uniqueness. And Jesus did not see it possible that you could have God without having him. And he wasn't just um, one among many valid ways to understand who God is. You know, one among many equally valid expressions of God. I was, when I was growing up, I was introduced to this image. You might know it's quite popular of 10 or so people in a pitch black room with an elephant in the middle of the room. And they're all kind of describing this elephant. And one of them says, you know, this, the elephant is uh, like this. It's long and thin and wavy. And you know, another, another person says, no, 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 the elephant is um, thick and solid. You know, so one person maybe has the trunk um, and describing it. Another person has the tail or something. And they're all sort of saying different things. And the point is none of them are like wrong. It's just they have different perspectives. They're all saying different things. And they're all kind of equally valid. It's a very popular image of how different religions of the world make claims about God. Um, none of them have a, a sort of... Um, monopoly on truth they're all just sort of saying their own unique perspectives except Jesus has not come to give us his perspective in a dark world 
He has come to turn the lights on. Now, verse 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus, he, he uniquely reveals the Father. I mean, you cannot be positive about God without being positive about Jesus. And it means that if you want to know what God is like, and if you want to walk in fellowship with him, if you want to orient yourself in the world to make sense of reality, to find your place, well, you only need to come to Jesus. Or if you're, uh, if you're tired of the endless kind of scanning of bookshelves or listening to podcasts that are kind of trying to help you get a grip on your life and tired of just all the competing claims about God, well, Jesus has come to make it clear for us. And for 46, to believe in Jesus is to come out of the darkness of this world and to walk in the light. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. And it might be, I know some of you here at Grace Church College, but I don't know all of you, and it might be that you wouldn't call yourself a Christian this morning. Well, can I suggest that this might be an excellent morning to resolve that? Uh, it's not very, very English of me to say this, um, but from what I know of Grace Church Dulwich, it is an incredibly loving community of people and people here that I've met, um, people that would be willing to talk about their faith, talk about um, what it is that captured them about Jesus. So this would be a great morning, maybe. Um, if, it's, if you've never really taken Jesus seriously before, um, please, I commend Jesus to you. Um, I commend this church to you. Jesus, he makes the Father known. Um, but actually, these aren't just verses that show us what God is like, right? Um, it's one thing to tell us that Jesus uniquely reveals God's. But then the obvious and logical question is, well, well, how do I access Jesus? And in fact, that's exactly how the next few chapters of the book unfold. And the disciples, they were about to have Jesus leave. And the question they were confronted with was how they were going to continue without him. And the answer is, well, second point on your handouts there, um, Jesus' words uniquely reveal him. Look at verse 49 with me. Um, I have not spoken on my own authority. And by the way, actually, as I read these, these verses, um, just listen out for how many of the um, verses are about words and speech. Um, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And it's Jesus' words that give us access to God's. And as I say, in the next uh, three or four chapters, Jesus, he's going to lay out this program of fruitful ministry that will reach to the ends of the earth as the Spirit leads his apostles into all the truth. And their testimony about him is preserved in the words of the New Testament. And Jesus' words, they're how we have access to him. And there's no other God but Jesus' version. And there's no other Jesus but his words' version. And some people think, don't they, that being into the Bible is just kind of a matter of personal taste, right? So you might have churches that focus on the Bible and other churches that focus on you know, other aspects of the Christian faith. So um, some focus on the Bible, others focus on discipleship maybe, others focus on worship, or whatever it could be. I was, actually, I, was, I was talking to a church leader not, not long ago at all, very recently, who was giving me his top tips on hearing God's voice today. 
and sometimes in the Bible, sure, but sometimes in a dream or in a film or in a sentence that kind of just comes into your head. Well, that is to hugely misunderstand what these words are. And the Bible's not, it's not just a kind of add-on for people who like doing theology. And Jesus has come as the full and final revelation of the God of this world, and he has revealed God to us by his words. 49 again, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And of course, how you treat somebody's words, it's very much, it's very much how you treat them, isn't it? Um, if I write my wife a love letter and she tears it up in front of me, and I can assure you that has not happened, well, it would be very appropriate for me to be quite offended by that. Um, how you treat somebody's words, it is how you treat them. And when you encounter these words, when you encounter Jesus' words, you are encountering him. And when you encounter him, you encounter the Father. And let me tell you a story. I was, in this last year or so, I've been part of a group of people that meet regularly to discuss um, elements of the Christian faith as part of um, a process I'm going through in the Church of England. And one of the weeks, it was a Zoom call, so we went round the screens and the question we had to all ask was, um, what does God mean to you? I think there are different categories, so what does, the, you know, what does church mean to you? And what does worship mean to you? All these interesting ex- exercises. We all went around the circle and we all said, um, you know, what it is that God means to us? Except the, the problem is, we missed, we missed out a key perspective. Uh, no one, we, we were never encouraged, really, to ask what God's perspective is on himself. Um, but the reality is, we don't have to guess what God is like. Uh, it's an immensely freeing thing, isn't it? We don't, he's not left us in the dark. And um, Jesus has come to uniquely reveal the Father to us so that whoever encounters him encounters God himself. And it means that it's okay to say no to some versions of God. And I guess we don't like to do that, do we? But he's not unclear. He's not silent. He has spoken. We have access to him. He's told us who he is. He's told us what he's like. And we don't need to wander into this bottomless pit of subjectivism to find out. And however humble it might seem to do so. And Jesus' words, they uniquely reveal him. Because those very words are the words of the Father. Um, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Um, No God without Jesus. No Jesus without his words. And we can go even further than that. And it's not just that Jesus' words are how we know what God is like, right? Like I might know kind of information about something or someone, impersonal, uh, maybe uninteresting information, data about God, if you like. No, but it's, it's that these words, thirdly on your handout there and on the screen, and these words are a matter of life and death. Verse 47. Um, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. 
course, if you think the Bible is just kind of general revelation about God and that may or may not be interesting, um, words that kind of offer some perspective on who God is, well, then of course you can take it or leave it. And of course it's just a matter of personal preference, you know, information that belongs in history books. But that is not the case. And these very words, they are a matter of life and death. And they are calling us um, out of darkness, out of uncertainty, into the light of life with him. And even as we hear them this morning, they're words that call for a response. His words, they're, they're a matter of life and death. And verse 48 again, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. I mean, in other words, it's not just that when we encounter these, these verses, these words, we encounter God's that we experience him speaking. I'm hugely privileged when I was first introduced to this idea and that I can actually experience God speaking um, as I read these words. But it's that these very words, they, they encounter us. And they address us. They invite us. They judge us. I had my, um, my, my booster jab recently. Um, very painful process, just basically for waiting for it was much more painful than the actual jab. Um, I want us to imagine for a second that I took the view in the waiting room that medicine was just a matter of personal taste, right? So imagine the doctor says, you know, okay, can I have your arm, please? And I say, actually, you know what? Could I have the meningitis jab instead, please? I mean, her reaction, it, it wouldn't be very impressed, but she'd probably say, you know, sorry, that's just not how this works, actually, sir. Um, if you want to be safe from this particular vaccine, then you're going to need this particular jab. Now imagine if I said to her, gosh, you know what, some people are just so narrow-minded. Widen your perspective. I mean, it's absurd. Medicine, it's not a case of personal preference. Um, the words of Jesus are not a case of each to their own. And the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. Interesting, isn't it? If you have three guesses on the question, who is the judge of all the earth? And I asked my one-year-old this, and she's two now. Once she was one, I asked this question to her, and she said, mummy, I think. Um, you know, closer, you know, closer. Could, there are worse candidates, but, um, you know, give her a chance. She's only one-year-old. Um, no, of course, God is the judge. Actually, no. No, look again. Okay, fine. Jesus is the judge. No. Actually, look again. Um, it is his words that judge and Jesus words are the words that judge well they judge each of us as we encounter him and judgment is is scary it's not popular is it we don't like to think of um, Jesus words as words that judge judgment it's not a very nice word except that I think judgment is kind of trendy again isn't it we're very good at judging people today and toppling over statues and removing twitter accounts of people that hold the wrong opinions. Um, judgment is back in fashion, especially when it comes to people who reject offers. Uh, last year, the um, snooker star Mark Allen was, was about to shake hands with his opponent after their game um, against Rhianne Evans, who also happened to be his ex, which I guess is quite awkward, and she rejected his handshake, right? Super awkward. And these headlines the next day where uh, Mark Allen's offer of a handshake is, is rejected. Um, but I guess probably a more serious example is the way, the, the, the take on people who reject the um, vaccine. We've even got a name for them, haven't we? Anti-vaxxers. Um, 
people who reject, and these, these tragic headlines that we see, you know, person dies because they reject the vaccine. I mean, a, a tragically sad thing. Except imagine a headline that read like this. Person dies because they reject Jesus Christ. It's not so trendy. But I mean, rejecting a handshake is, is one thing. Rejecting a vaccine, that is much more serious. Rejecting the only son of the father is far more serious, far more illogical, far more dangerous, because your response to him is your response to God. And the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And he addresses us um, like he was standing in the room. Of course, huge privilege to know, isn't it, that um, you can hear God's voice by reading these words. Immense privilege. But also a terrifying reality, isn't it, that um, the God who fashioned the stars and breathed life into dust in the beginning was the word. That word confronts us. Um, He's confronting us this morning. He's confronting you. He's addressing you um, with the offer of life. In chapter 11, when Lazarus heard Jesus' words, he was raised up out of the tomb. Well, at the end of history, on the last day, we will hear the same voice that he did. We will all be raised up to give an account to God. And what will happen to us on that day It will have nothing to do with how much money we made. It will have nothing to do with how well our children did at school, how far up the career ladder we got, and how successful we were. No, what will happen to us on that day will be to do with how we responded to these words. Because our response to these words, it is our response to Jesus, and our response to him is our response to the Father. 48 again. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And how unique is Jesus? Well, he's the, he's the final and sufficient last word of the Father. He makes him known. There's no other God but Jesus' version. And there's no other Jesus but the Bible's version. And as you read and encounter these words, you encounter him. And he encounters you. And he weighs and judges the hearts of anyone who hears his voice. They're words that speak to each of us and confront us to put our trust in his life-giving message. And John's purpose statement from the end of the book, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, have life in his name. Verse 45. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in one who sent me, and whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have spoken. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal word of the Father, who has made you known and made you knowable, speaking truth, shining the light of the world, 
amidst the darkness. Please, Father, help us grasp the uniqueness of your Son. Help us treasure his words so that we might have the life that is in his name and walk in fellowship with you, we pray. Amen.